Greetings ladies and mental gents and welcome to today's Reddit quickie video. Taken from the HFY subreddit, the story is called Department of Rescue and Recovery, written by YCYC. The link to the original will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy, and if you do, please consider subscribing. Most civilized governments in the Galactic Council had a sole union department of rescue and recovery office located somewhere in the core worlds. Granted, not all of these offices were the best kept condition. It was customary for a host of species to set up operating budgets and for the humans to match it. Not all governments saw the human as financially responsible investment, but through a few million credits here and there just to maintain diplomatic relations with the humans. Funding aside, the doors to any of these thousand or so departments of rescue and recovery offices were always open, somehow. It didn't matter how many hours there were in the hosting planet's day-night cycle, or if there were holidays to be celebrated. Any being could walk through the doors and always find a human. Tired, perhaps, but disarmingly bearing his or her teeth in what humans considered to be a gesture of hospitality and friendliness. No one ever wanted to have to pay a visit to the Department of Rescue and Recovery. It's a visit that anyone from any species dreaded. It was a visit born in the sense of hopelessness. It was this very hopelessness that found Vererisk standing at the base of the stairs leading up to the Dre Grab building at least a thousand cycles behind its retrofits. Vererisk clenched his pectoral arms at his sides in self-comfort. His back arms clutched his tablet computer that he had filled up with all the information he'd managed to gather. His eyes trembled as he stared up at the sliding doors that didn't quite close completely. After taking a few deep breaths, he made his way up the stairs and inside, Hi! A high-pitched voice floated across the lobby, echoing against the hard stone interior. Vererisk nearly jumped at the sound as his brain tried to process the concept of home without any grass sprawled across the floors and vegetation creeping up the walls. Hello? Vererisk, trying his best to conceal his nervousness. Oh, you don't have a translator. Give me a second, the human said. Still baring its teeth, it reached beneath the counter it stood behind and returned with a small piece of equipment, roughly the size of a pond-skipping stone. It set it on the counter and pressed a button and then gestured for Vererisk to approach the counter. Can you understand me? it said. Y yes. Excellent. My name is Melanie Ronan. I'm a female, and you may call me Mel if you'd like. May I know your name, species, and title, if you claim one, Melanie said. Vererisk Leary, I'm from Kalyon, Vererisk said softly. It's nice to meet you, Mr. Leary, Melanie said. I am not a highborn, Vererisk said. Ah, it is very nice to meet you, Vererisk. How can I help you today? Melanie said. Vererisk paused, unsure where to start. He thought to maybe lie, give the appearance that he knew more. Maybe that might better convince the humans to take his case. Or perhaps he should endear them with his plight, instead of words tumbling out of his mouth in a specific order as his emotions pounded in his chest, overwhelming his sense of reason. By my partner and child have gone missing. She was supposed to arrive at a registered transport two weeks ago. I have not heard anything from the company that charted the passenger liner. Nothing on the waves. It was a small ship, only 400 souls on board. Too small of an incident for my government to open an official inquiry. I... I don't know what else to do. 
I don't know where else to go, Marisic said, near tears as the human's expressions went. Melanie stopped baring her teeth, the corners of her mouth turning down. Her face contorted into a look Veririsk could only describe as displeasure, like she had eaten an unripe Goranai fruit. I'm terribly sorry to hear that. I'm glad that you decided to come to us. Wait just a minute. I'll have a case officer come to see you shortly. Would you like anything while you wait? Melanie asked. I don't understand, Verisic whispered. Refreshment? Uh, no, thank you, Verisic said. Let me get the case officer, Melanie said as she raised a hand to her head and tapped something on her ear. Captain Kim, into the lobby, please. Verisic simply stood at the corner, unsure as to how he should make himself comfortable in such a place. The past few days he'd been a nervous wreck, to the point of comfort seems a foreign concept as seeking help from humans. The human, Melanie, attempted to make polite conversation. Verarisk gave little more than a terse answers here and there. He didn't have the energy to state of mind to engage in any meaningful way. A few minutes passed before he heard echoes of footfalls from down the corridor. Verarisk turned towards the sound. Captain Michael Kim was much taller than Melanie. His face was sharp features and his hair was dark colored below his head covering which he wore at an angle. He did not have the same pleasantness that Melanie had, but Verarisk found the odd sense of ease in Captain Kim's business-like appearance. The human walked with a purpose, his entire posture rigid, almost mechanical in his measured stride and a slight flex of his shoulders. As Captain Kim got close enough to make eye contact with Verarisk, Captain Kim bared his teeth, though his display was fleeting as his face was unaccustomed to such a movement. Kim tapped an attachment on his wrist before speaking. You must be Verisek. My name is Captain Wuhan Kim. I am the commanding officer of this office. Why don't you follow me? Verisek followed Wuhan from where he had come. Wuhan turned to the corner and opened up a door, holding it open for Verisek to enter. The interior immediately filled with Verisek with a small sense of peace. Lush grasses covered the floor, gently parting under the roof. Vibrant plants adorned with the spring petals painted with vivid colors across the walls in brushstrokes. Verarisk hardly imagined possible. Warmth filled the entire space, seeping through the Verarisk's fur and into his very bones. Made for this myself. Wuhan, seeing Verarisk by the interior, I figured you'd feel a little bit more at home than in my own office. How are you holding up? Pardon? Sorry. These translators aren't good with idioms. How are you feeling? Have you been eating and sleeping? We have a Carlian position on staff if you require medical attention. Wuhan said. Verarisk was more inclined to ask how the captain with such poorly maintained office could afford such things, but could not bring himself to ask. A little, the Verarisk lied. Wuhan frowned but did not press further. That's good. I know it's hard, you might not believe me when I say this, but I've been in your position before. It's important to eat and keep up your strength, Wuhan said. Is it okay if I record our conversation? We're a bit understaffed, so I don't have any administrative personnel to sit in on this and do a full contextual translation. Yes, Verarisk answered. Wuhan nodded, tapping on his wrist attachment twice. Verarisk recounted what he had found from these investigations, halting at first, but showed Wuhan the missing ship's planned flight path and how close it came to the radiant belt as a fuel-saving measure. 
He showed how he had tracked its refueling stops on the comm echoes picked up on the nav beacons, close to where all the contact and to and from the ship had ceased. He brought up dossiers as scrapped together from pirates, slavers and gangs that operated in and around the space where his wife and child's ship had been last reported. All the while, as the very risk unfolded his story, Wuhan looked on quietly. His eyes bore an intense focus as he studied Veririsk's notes, space charts, beacon timestamps, and celestial body shifts. Veririsk couldn't even be sure that Wuhan processed a tenth of what the Veririsk had to show. But Veririsk kept talking, if only because all of the running about he had done trying to get someone to listen to him, someone finally took some time to do so. How many planetary cycles ago was this? Wuhan interjected. Sixteen. Veririsk felt that all three of his hearts sink as he answered, I see. I am required by department rules to inform you that given the amount of time that has elapsed, the chances of us locating the vessel are, um, slim. Wuhan said, I thought, Veririsk began. Wuhan held up a hand. My apologies. Allow me to clarify. Disclosing the probability of success does not mean that we won't take the case. The bureaucracies just require that I make it clear that you, again, the chances are slim. Just a formality, Wu Han said reassuringly. I understand, Ererisk said. Do you have a family in the system to stay with? Wu Han asked. No, I moved to the system for work. It took some time to save up the credits for my wife and child to join me, Ererisk said. Are you at home by yourself then? Yes. Ah. Wu Han tapped his wrist attachment. Mal, can you have the facilities prepare a guest room? Yes. Or one. I don't understand, Veririsk tensed his back muscles and his flared nostrils at a gesture of anxiety. I realize that this may be a very strange experience for you, and that our customs are difficult to understand. I assure you that this is all a normal procedure. When we accept a case, it's typical for us to ask that the individual opening the case stay on the premises for a few cycles while we confirm the particulars. As I'm sure you can imagine, coordinating any search and rescue efforts comes with a certain challenges and expenses. I'm just doing my due diligence as required by my supervisory body, Wuhan said. And if I don't stay, will you refuse to take the case? No. It would muddy up the logistics, but we'll manage regardless. We are of course not going to force you to stay. Our facilities are not the best, but we will do everything we can to make you comfortable. Speaking for myself, if I were in your position, the last place that I would want to be sitting is at home, remunerating, Wuhan said. Also, this way I can give you up-to-date developments without having to send a courier to notify you. Okay, Varys Risk murmured. As if on cue, the office door swung open, and Melanie stood in the doorway, her teeth concealed by the corners of her mouth upturned. Melanie will show you the accommodations. I have some calls to make and finalize the case review process. I will notify you of the case's status as soon as I receive confirmation. I appreciate that it is a very tough time for you. While I can't make any promises, I can assure you that we will leave no stone unturned. What is this expression? Veririsk asked. It means we'll do everything in our power to find your ship of your wife and child are on. Wuhan said. Veririsk stood there at a loss for what to say and do, his every thought having been so utterly consumed with the trying to find his wife and child, with trying to find someone to help him. And now that he'd found that help 
in the humans, he felt holy disbelief. He turned to follow Melanie, but was stopped by a question surfacing through the patchwork of emotions running the course through him. You agreed. Why would you agree? What's in it for you? The Veririsk asked. It's my job. Wuhan smiled without baring his teeth. It's what I'm paid to do. You are not under the Corlean thrall. You have no obligation to help us. Yet you are here, in this office, on a foreign world, no doubt far away from your family. All this to help strangers in a strange place, Veririsk asked. Veririsk's eyes locked on Wuhan's, but Wuhan was looking past him, his gaze empty before focusing again suddenly. Around 15 years ago, I was serving as a Navy pilot in one of the more developed outposts. 120 million souls on the world, 85% terraformed. We had atmosphere, magnetosphere, and a geological and tectonic activity. I was stationed on one of the advanced expedition's old orbital stations when an earthquake hit on the southern hemisphere. You understand the word, right? Earthquake, Wuhan said. Yes, Wuhan continued, recounting how he disobeyed the orders to launch violated protocol to enter the atmosphere using the planet's gravity to accelerate him to close the maximum entry speed. Veririsk listened, aghast as the Wuhan recalled how he had been disciplined for his disobeying orders. Such madness, Veririsk said. I suppose it could have been seen that way, but my squad saved 47 people, receiving a demotion and having to recertify my flight status and climb back up to lieutenant. Was worth it though, Wuhan said. 47 in the context of millions, Veririsk said. Better than none. The cost could not have been worth the lives. Were these people you saved of significance to your kind? Royal-born, political leaders? No, just people. I don't understand, Veririsk said. Because I would want the same to be done for me. If I would want the same done for me, how could I do any less? Wuhan said. End of story. If you wish to support the author or the channel, all the relevant links are down below. But the easiest way would be to share this like a plague to everyone and anything that you can think of. And until the next video, I hope that you all have a good time, and I'll see you then. Cheers.